Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's 9.30 in 716. Coronavirus in New York. Update. The uh, tests for the uh, people in Buffalo came back negative. The need to knows. To the extreme of being panicked, um, I don't think we're there yet, but I would say certainly a healthy respect for understanding. Coronavirus in the office. In a typical time period, for example, one hour, people touch their face at least 20 times in one hour. That's a lot. I'm Tim Wenger on 930 and 716 with all things coronavirus. The good news is we have a number of tests that have come back, uh, coronavirus tests. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo with some important updates on coronavirus in New York State and of particular interest at the Open to Buffalo and Western New York. The uh, tests for the uh, people in Buffalo came back negative. The test for the uh, people in Oneida came back negative. Uh, we tested someone in Suffolk that came back uh, negative. And the husband of the health care worker who traveled to Iran uh, came back negative. I actually wagered the other way. Uh, so that's the good news. The not so good news is the case in Westchester, which was a 50-year-old attorney who was tested positive. His wife has also tested positive. His 20-year-old son has also tested positive. His daughter has tested positive. And his neighbor, who drove him to the hospital, also tested positive. Uh, The son is 20 years old and attends Yeshiva University. The daughter is 14 years old and is in the SAR school. Um, and the neighbor uh, is not just a neighbor, but actually drove the attorney to the hospital uh, and uh, therefore was in a car with, with the uh, attorney in that closed environment, and the neighbors tested uh, positive. That then triggers the detective work. Uh, where we go back and we try to make as many connections as possible and do as much research and investigation as possible uh, and then uh, notify people, right? Whenever you find a case, it's about containment and uh, doing the best you can to, uh, to keep the circle as tight as possible. Uh, the head of Yeshiva uh, University I spoke to this morning and the school that the son attends will be closed for today. Uh, the SAR school is also closed for today. We are going to meet in Westchester uh, this afternoon at noon with the heads of the schools uh, and the county and the uh, local health officials to get some more facts and start to Uh, track back to the best we can. 
I also want to announce that we're going to recall SUNY and CUNY students from study abroad programs in five countries, China, Italy, Japan, Iran, South Korea. Those are countries uh, that have been on the uh, quote-unquote watch list, recall list, that the federal government has set. The uh, students will come back on a chartered plane, which will land in Stewart Airport. They will then be uh, quarantined for 14 days in dormitory settings. We'll then stay in touch with them uh, after the 14 days to do follow-up work. Now, some need-to-knows for us all. Good information as we all navigate the confusion and barrage of information concerning coronavirus. So I think that the likelihood of this virus coming to this area is is pretty good, uh, like many other areas. Dr. Joseph Chow, medical director of WNY Immediate Care, spending in-depth time with WBEN's Brendan Keeney. Should we be worried? I think we should have a healthy respect for this virus, just like we should with the flu. Um, not to forget that we are in the midst of a flu season also. Um, to, the, to the extreme of being panicked, um, I don't think we're there yet, but I would say certainly a healthy respect for understanding, uh, you know, some of the symptoms as well as, you know, some of the precautions we can take. I, I certainly think uh, everybody needs that. The governor today talked about how it isn't feasible for everyone who has some sort of symptom of a respiratory illness to be tested for coronavirus. It's just not really possible. What symptoms do people need to identify for them to say, okay, this really could be it? And then from there, how do they go about figuring out what the next step is? Sure. So many, and and to some degree, I do agree uh, with the governor. Um, This is flu season. This is cold time. So we see a lot of patients through our urgent cares, and I'm sure the primary care doctors uh, with these types of symptoms. Um, The symptoms can very much mimic the flu with fever, cough, um, you know, those types of symptoms. So it is hard sometimes to differentiate. In, I would say in the past, in the past meeting, even several weeks ago, the travel history is very important uh, component of this. And certainly at the beginning, traveling to areas in China, uh, you've seen that listing now grow to other areas international as well as uh, within the country itself. And uh, no doubt it'll start percolating in the uh, in communities you know close to us, if not ours. So that travel portion that we really depended on will become less. Uh, will become less uh, important to differentiate. And so with that being said, typically uh, this virus, is in, as well as other viruses, many people may get, and many, if not the majority of people, will actually get over. So you know, frequently you may have had certain viruses or illnesses uh, from that standpoint and, and got over it just fine. Uh, with this one in particular, uh, to, to differentiate, and again, this applies to other viruses too, if you have these symptoms and you're having difficulty breathing, inability to hold down fluids, um, if you have those where it becomes really the next level where, hey, this is beyond just another cold that, that I've had, then that should prompt a call to your primary care doctor. Drew in some research and these primary care doctors or um, kind of emergency facilities want to be prefaced before someone who thinks they have coronavirus 
comes to their facility. Is that true? And if that's the case, how does a facility like that go about testing and uh, doing everything they need to do to make sure that this patient does not infect them or other patients at the facility? So it is true, certainly in outbreaks, if you feel you have um, a certain illness, in this case the coronavirus, um, to call your doctor first or to call facilities uh, and let them instruct you, um, you know, how best to proceed. Certainly if you're having uh, difficulty breathing, can't hold fluids down, feeling very ill, I think a call is worthwhile even just to, and you will likely be seen, but it gives the physician and it gives the facilities, um, you know, some time as well as to expect you to come uh, and getting to your next question about what kind of precautions. Um, most of these facilities, if not all, if they have any suspected cases of coronavirus, um, should really uh, enact the proper protection, not only for the patient, but also for the healthcare provider and their staff and other, and other patients. And so that's really one of the reasons why when we hear about, hey, call your doctor first, is if you are, if you're ill and if you're coming to facilities where there's a lot of other people who are likely ill too and maybe immunocompromised, you can see where that can spread and lead to, you know, bad outcomes. But the other reason for calling again is uh, if and when you do get seen, uh, we can ensure that the proper precautions such as uh, protective equipment, uh, you know, specific rooms, uh, we can certainly uh, orchestrate that much, uh, much better if we know that you're coming. Uh, in the general, kind of in the general public, a lot of facilities, people just walk in like our urgent cares or emergency uh, rooms. Um, these are places as well as PCP offices where we need to make sure that we're prepared also to, you know, mask people appropriately, uh, provide our staff with, uh, uh, you know, the equipment also to protect ourselves. What should people do um, to kind of, first of all, before we get into that, talk about the differences, comparisons between this and just the common flu in the sense that, okay, I it could be the flu, should I get tested, that kind of thing. Is there a distinct difference with this novel coronavirus that we've, we're seeing in this year's flu strain? So there's, there's, there's variation in the degree of severity between this virus as well as the flu. Um, going from one end of the spectrum, some people may have this and the flu, know that they're ill, but they do get over it. And, and this typically is the majority of people. On the other end of the spectrum, I'm going to say for both, certainly people die from the flu. And, and to put it in context, we get seasons like this from the flu every year where hundreds of thousands of people are infected, uh, you know, and tens of thousands of people actually die from the flu. So taking that into perspective, even this year, which is considered a heavy flu season, um, you know, again, the death count is in well into the tens of thousands, where with coronavirus, coronavirus it's nowhere near that. Um, to differentiate, I would say it can be difficult, especially now that it's, it's spread. Uh, we can't rely on the travel history quite as well. But certainly if you have these symptoms, the flu symptoms, uh, where, but you cannot get over it, where you're having difficulty breathing, um, you know, certainly vomiting, inability to hold down fluids, or just feeling extremely sick, um, should still prompt people uh, with a call to their doctor. Now, what precautions should people take um, in hopes of not contracting the coronavirus? Is it the same thing as any other cold flu illness where it's just 
kind of common sense hygiene? Yeah, the principles are, are very much similar. So the most effective is going to be washing your hands, so good hand-washing hygiene. Uh, the other is trying not to uh, touch areas on the face such as your nose, your mouth, or even your eyes. Um, certainly staying away if you feel like you're sick, if you have fever, feel like you have flu-type symptoms, um, that's something that you should not uh, you know, go to large areas such as uh, work or places where there's a lot of people, you should stay home. So that you know, confinement is certainly another method of uh, preventing the spread. Um, it's become very popular to wear masks now. Um, you know, just very briefly, masks are typically, if you're not a healthcare worker, masks are best used um, if you're the person who's actually sick. Um, and that's to prevent, you know, these large droplets when you cough or when you sneeze to get out in the, in the public. Um, these masks are not the best at preventing small particles. Um, they don't fit completely around the face. There's always, you know, areas of leakage. So having a mask can help uh, potentially reduce transmission of especially the large particles, but it's best for the people who are actually sick. Um, healthcare providers, a little bit of a different story, uh, should certainly have adequate protection there too. Is there a concern in the United States specifically because there isn't as much paid sick time and there is and there is such a high cost associated with going to a medical center um is there a concern that those factors will pay will play into more spread as people will go to work sick or will not visit the doctor so traditional thinking perhaps it may um i think over time over the years um, I think the public, especially now, this is in the news, this is on radio, this is on paper, um, people are reading about this, and I think there really is um, you know, a healthy respect, if not fear, now of this virus. Um, my hope is that people will certainly, again, respect this and, and, and have a healthy uh, respect to say, hey, if I'm not feeling well, I should stay home. Uh, again, easier to say, you know, irregardless of you know, the cost, uh, but again, the cost from a population standpoint, if uh, people are you know, going to work or trying to tough it out with these types of symptoms, and if it does become, uh, you know, if it is found to be coronavirus, um, certainly that cost down the road is going to be much greater uh, than the, you know, initial cost of staying home. So could that be a factor? I think it could be. I think uh, in this day and age, I, I think things have gotten, I think people have gotten uh, better educated and maybe more communication and education out to the public about staying home if you do feel like you have these symptoms. All right, Dr. Chow, is there anything else that you would like to add or think our audience should know, something I may have missed? Yeah, I think, again, just to stress, you know, the basics. Um, again, sometimes it sounds like a, a broken record, but really effective hand washing, staying home if you're sick, um, you know, coughing, sneezing, uh, you know, into the sleeve or a tissue and throwing it away, trying not to, you know, touch your, your, your hands, your nose, your eyes. And if you have questions about this, uh, make sure you give your primary care doctor a call. Um, this way they can best direct you uh, whether to be seen or where to go. A coronavirus reality check now. Stephanie Ramos taking a deep dive at the ABC News offices, looking at everything from door handles to elevators, even the kitchen sink, for clues on where the virus lingers and 
how it spreads. As coronavirus fears spread across the country, many are wondering how to best avoid getting sick at work. We invited Dr. Sira Madad, the senior director of New York City Health and Hospitals Special Pathogens Program, to our offices in New York City to learn about where germs may be lurking. And it starts with you. If your hands are dirty, you're constantly touching your face. So in a typical time period, for example, one hour, people touch their face at least 20 times in one hour. That's a lot, up to 500 times in a day. And if your germy hands touch your eyes or mouth, you could get sick. In this GMA business meeting, the worst offender touched his face 44 times in 25 minutes. And germs can really move. A cough or sneeze can create a viral cloud that extends about six feet, according to the CDC. With a coronavirus disease, a person that's infected with coronavirus, if they cough, if they sneeze, those droplets can become airborne. The most germs are found on places where a lot of people touch, but that may not be regularly cleaned, like the elevator button. This is another area that gets a lot of attention, a lot of people pushing the buttons. What, what do you do if you're trying to stay germ-free. Sure. So again, another high-touch um, area right here. So in terms of, you know, using these buttons, if you're going to use them, again, washing your hands often. That's another, obviously, key thing. There's also a correct way to disinfect, and it's not by using the same wipe over and over again. So we want to make sure when we are cleaning and disinfecting that we're getting into all of these crevices and making sure that we're doing a thorough job in terms of disinfecting a number of these things. And the office kitchen, even yours at home, is ripe with germs on high-touch surfaces. Refrigerator and microwave handles, sink handles, and for our staff, the spigot on the water purifier. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.